Welcome to the Fod Eater Fod Pass. <laughs> what is up, everybody? It is Froth here, Thought Eater Podcast, Thought Eater Blog. Hope you're doing well. Thrilled that you are listening and joining me for another episode of Hump Day Bloggerama. This is a weekly show where I'm taking a look at a bunch of stuff I spotted on the talented, illustrious blogosphere. The unbelievable RPG blogosphere. I talk about stuff here on the podcast, and then you can find all the links that I discuss in order over at the Thought Eater blog. Google Thought Eater blog, or use the worst URL of all time, frothsoftdnd.blogspot.com. <laughs> oh, boy. Huge show today. I know I say that every week, but I mean it this time. This one is oh, brutal. Filled with awesomeness, there's no question that the content is amazing. But it is very questionable whether my delivery will be up to par. <laughs> but uh, lots of stuff to get to. Awesome stuff that I'm thrilled to be sharing with y'all. Unbelievable. Talent, skills. Got a lot, but... Um, before I get to that, I mentioned a couple of weeks ago on my uh, analytics for the podcast, I was seeing a little uptick in uh, listeners in, over in Sweden. Gave a shout out to those folks. And now I'm noticing a little, another sliver growing. It seems I'm, I'm, I'm getting some decent listeners down in Australia. I would love, it's a dream of mine really to go to Australia um, one day. I'm fascinated by the culture, um, First Nation culture down there. Uh, I was an anthropology major in school and uh, learning about how different, you know, going way back to, you know, different land masses breaking off. And I love the development of different flora and fauna, different evolution and adaptation of different creatures, you know, and I've been to Hawaii and that was like a different world from where I'm at, but to, to go to Australia and it to be literally, you know, a different world of plant, animal life, culture, and everything else. Fascinating to me. Hopefully it's something I can do one day. And I know Australia has got a killer gaming, um, scene down there. Shout out to just a few Australian gamers that I'm somewhat acquainted with, like Michael Winman from Vulpanoid Studios, the a killer uh, kind of Judge Dredd spinoff game, The Law, uh, does the observations of the Fox blog. Shout out to Michael Winman. Shout out to Jez Gordon, one of the most talented artists working in RPGs right now, working on the Feral RPG game. And then, of course, a huge shout-out to Chris Tam from Elfmaids and Octopi, the crown prince, the king of Random Tables. So if you're a listener down in Australia, I just want to thank you for checking out the show, let you know I see you all down there. Maybe one day I can get down there and roll some dice. Anyway, before we get into the topics, I have some call-ins we're going to get to, starting off with a couple of stragglers on the last couple of um, I did a couple of podcasts on generic RPGs, you know, one size fits all RPG systems and that sort of thing. Had a couple of call-ins, Pete Jones from Dragons Are Real 
as well as the mysterious brother Tyler M. from a D20-sided life. So we're going to hear what they have to say real quick. What the dang, Froth? Um, all these games i got to go look up now. Man, I'm supposed to be recording a podcast. Gosh. Uh, but seriously, man, um, good job on the podcast. Good episode. Um, hope you find a game that works for you. Um, my recommendation would probably be Mutants and Masterminds. Uh, it's a superhero game, but you can probably run that with anything. Uh, character gen's a little long, but once you get your character made, it's pretty smooth to run. Um, yeah, man. Good episode. Keep rolling. Hi, Froth. Two other systems I'm going to add into the mix for best generic system would be Fudge, which uh, Fate was based off, and Cortex Prime, formerly Cortex Plus. Now, you can't run them out of the box because both of them are toolkits. You have to design your game from the ground up. What they do give you is the mechanics. So you would have to decide whether you want attributes, whether you want skills, whether you want roles. Um, do you want a hit point system? Do you want a wound system? Do you want a, a consequence system? You have to take the little bits of modules from each of the books and build your system from the ground up and make it what you want. Um, both of them can run superhero games so uh, it takes that box so uh, that's just uh, another two to look at but some work needed if you do use them thank you all very much for calling in about it and uh yeah so tyler i've got the original mutants and masterminds which is kind of just like a d20 sort of thing but i know that the mechanics have changed uh over the editions i guess it's on its third edition now you know i don't know how different it is but uh I've been checking out some reviews of it. Um, you know, I don't know. I'm looking for some, you know, th this isn't looking for something for my game. I was just talking in general about, you know, what the best one would be. But um, thinking more maybe just games that are, you know, set up to go ahead and be used for different genres and something I'd have to do too much conversion with. But your point is well taken, and I appreciate the input. And uh, Pete, you know, you mentioned Cortex, and that's one that's come up before... Um, I had a friend that, uh, unfortunately had to leave our game, uh, probably two years ago, they moved, you know, a few time zones away and they were telling me they were going on and on about Cortex. They love it. And I saw some news recently about how, I guess, uh, it had been kickstarted and maybe it's been acquired by a different company. So there will be a new, you know, I don't know if it's Cortex prime or what it'll be referred to as but a new kind of Cortex system or update or what, what have you uh, that'll be coming out. And that's one that I'm definitely going to be picking up because I'm interested and I trust my friend's opinion. And now hearing from you, I know you've got excellent taste. So uh, that's one I'll definitely be checking out. As far as fudge goes, I don't really know much about it. I know all I know is that that's kind of led to fate somehow and that it has, you know, special special dice for it, but I have seen, you know, that there are a few generic systems for it. So that's one, maybe, maybe I can find a, a good, you know, used copy of that since it's been out for a while, kind of do the knowledge on that and see what it's all about. But yeah, Cortex, good recommendation. One that I actually kind of expected more people to maybe mention, but maybe because that Kickstarter's delayed or whatever, uh, it just didn't come up from a lot of people, but something I definitely want to check out. So I appreciate it very much. Um, and now we've got some call-ins from last week's final topic where I was talking about 
fudge and dice rolls, as well as, uh, what was the other thing? Oh, yeah, read-along text. Hey, Froth, it's Joe calling in about fudging dice rolls, and I am categorically opposed to it. I make every single one of my rolls in front of my players. Uh, we like to let the dice do their job and represent chaos in the world uh, and help with emergent storytelling. Uh, I just don't think it serves any beneficial purpose to fudge dice rolls. I look at DMs fudging dice rolls the same as I look at players fudging dice rolls. I think it's cheating. You're cheating the game. You're cheating the story. Yeah, maybe maybe you'll save a player death, but who cares? They could either make a new player, or you could have a whole new adventure where you have to go rescue the soul of the fallen companion. Either way, I, I just I'm not a fan of fudging dice rolls. I don't think it serves any beneficial purpose. So that's enough for me. Anyway, you're killing it out here, dude. Peace out. Hey, Froth, this is TJ with a little anti-Jackson action. Gonna try to do three responses in one minute. First, on fudging die rolls, I'm not gonna fudge the die rolls, but I will fudge stats sometimes. So if I've created an encounter, it's a little too hard, a little too easy. I may uh, move the goal line a little bit uh, just to make things fair. If, if it's a mistake on my part on creating it, but the dice are gonna fall where they may. As far as reading the box text, um, if it's good box text, short and sweet, I may read it. If I'm trying to introduce someone to old school uh, gaming and I want to read them a little bit of how Gygax wrote, then I may use that. But um, by and large, I'm going to skip over it. And then finally, East Texas University. find that game highly offensive. Being from Texas, I don't understand the stereotypes or where they're coming from. Um, it just seems mean-spirited uh, and I'm not a fan. But if you do want to see a little bit of uh, gaming in Texas in the 1980s, I suggest the film Cloak and Dagger. I think you get all the gaming in about the first five minutes, so you don't have to sit through the whole damn thing. But, yeah, check that out. You heard there from Joe Richter from the Hindsightless and Wheel or Woe podcast, as well as TJ Drennan from the Malodorous Miasma Meltdown and Occult Orifice Outrage podcast. Dual casters, both of them. And so, Joe, don't have much to say about what you said. I agree with every word of it. Um, TJ, offended by East Texas University? You must jest. But Cloak and Dagger, now that's taken me way back. Saw that one at the theater. A little Dabney Coleman action. Going way back. I didn't realize there was any RPG play in that one. I know that it had a, you know, the video game. There was like a video game thread running through the whole thing. But I didn't, I didn't realize there was any RPG play. But I haven't seen that one since, since it came out. So, um... Anyway, I might have to go back and take a look at that one. And yeah, box text. If it's Gygax, yeah, I can make an exception. I'll say it. If it's Gygax, I'll make an exception. <laughs> Otherwise, no box text. But if it's Gygax box text, I'll have to read a little bit of it. Um, so I actually went back and looked. I've got all the Gygax modules, some of my favorites, and a lot of them don't have any box text, but then Sajkant sneaks a little bit in there, and uh, Elemental Evil probably was probably Mincer writing it, but you know, if it's a little Gygax box text, then yeah, I think I can make an exception. But you know, my overall point with all that is that it, I like it being in the hands of the GM to kind of make what they want out of a room, rather than uh, and then when the box text gets to be 
you know, like where you're reading like a small short story every time someone goes into a room. Um, it's terrible, terrible. Um, it also kind of sometimes will skip ahead what players might not, you know, takes away a little of the player action, like, like maybe telling them, you know, instead of them going and exploring and them examining what it is, you're just kind of reading as they go into a room rather than the whole act and feel of, uh, exploring. But anyway, that covered that enough last week. And, um, and yeah, you know, as far as, uh, making your own monsters and, and, uh, pulling back the, pulling back their capabilities a little bit, you know, there's nothing that says you have to hit it, hit, hit with the monster's full power every round, you know, if they got a claw claw bite, you know, it's conceivable they could maybe just claw, but, um, that kind of gets into the age old question. Like, should you be pulling the monster's power back or should your players be running? You know, do the players assume that everything they encounter is something that they're going to be able to, to fight, you know? So unless you were, you know, trying to play that game where everything exactly matches the player capability, then it doesn't matter that it was a strong monster, you know, they got to be able to read the room and get the hell out of there if they got to, you know what I mean? But I don't know if you made something you felt that was really kind of breaking uh, the game and was, uh, you know, that unfair then, uh, certainly you can adjust and adapt on the fly without, you know, fudge and dice. So anyway, I appreciate what y'all had to say. Thank you for sharing and calling in about it. And now we're going to hear from Mr. Turfler, Frank T's liner notes. Hey, Froth, Frank T here. You know, I'm just, uh, catching up on the hump day blogorama at the, uh, I'm on the other side of the hump and, uh, man, what about this anchorite synchronicity? You're talking about character sheets, and I just talked about character sheets in my design diary. Amazing. Legendary anchorite Frank T. there from Frank T.'s liner notes. And yeah, it's like I've said before, great minds think alike. Or as Colin from Spike Pit has reminded me, fools never differ. <laughs> so. I need to go back. I've, I've missed out on so many awesome podcasts lately. If y'all are hearing all these call-ins from legendary anchorites, you know, many of them will have their own podcasts. Some of them have two podcasts and uh, always doing awesome stuff. And Frank, I, ha- I haven't heard of that episode yet, but I'd like to hear what you had to say about character sheets. So I intend on checking that out. But thanks as always for checking out the show. Speaking of Spike Pit... Hey, Froth, I've had to break off from the hump day blogorama. I'm feeling a little concerned regarding the night below, man. Listen, you don't need to push on through if it ain't happening. I would blow that out. I would say, nice knowing you, Mr. Night Below. You know, it's been fun, but I've got this 80s urge. I need to get to my 80s game, you know. No one, there's no, there's going to be no medals for Valor. There's going to be no uh, rewards for completing. If it's not happening, cut it loose, man. Cut it loose. Don't let it drag it down. 
get to that eighties goodness. I'm just saying. And if anybody complains, just just point them to the spike pit. Say it's not my fault. Spike pit said, cut it loose. <laughs> Later. Take care. World-renowned and legendary anchorite Colin Green there from the Spike Pit Podcast making reference to some comments I made on last week's show about the grass being greener looking at the Savage Worlds East Texas University campaign and and then looking back at, at my Night Below campaign and not being as impressed, not being as excited. And, you know, you're absolutely right. You know, and it's something I've said even myself. I did a podcast way back kind of when I started one of the first five minute Fridays was about, um, you know, life being too short to, to, to stick with games if you're not into it and, uh, and to get to the good stuff, you know, so I need to kind of maybe take my own advice. I've thought about already emailing the players about it, to be honest, but I thought we'll, we'll play this weekend with, uh, Football season always makes for sporadic play anyway, so I think what I'll do is we'll maybe talk about it, get to maybe a stopping point, and then, you know, Savage Worlds games aren't the same. You know, D&D, you can run it forever. Savage Worlds, you could run it forever, but the the, the level-up system, the way you take little advances, is kind of more set up to be quick. And so you can run these campaigns fairly quickly and the power level jump is not the same as i mean it's significant but it's not like first to 30 or something in D D. so you can run these you know it's kind of set up to be something like whatever 16 or so sessions to kind of get you to the top you know if you do it if you do a little advance after every session so what i'm thinking about is maybe just kind of pausing it because i don't want to abandon the game it just we just need a little pick me up, you know, we need a little jolt or something, uh, to, to, you know, to get some enthusiasm back. And then I think, you know, absence makes the heart grow fonder. We can come back maybe to the, uh, night below after we've kind of taken us, taken a pause. It's getting kind of grindy and, and, uh, but anyway, you're absolutely right. As usual, Colin, as usual. Hey Froth, Jason here, Nerds RPG Variety Cast. Just want to thank you for doing Avengers and Fantasy. It's a interesting system, interesting game. I'm glad Arneson did it. I'm glad I didn't have to read the mechanics of it because it sounds like it hurts your brain. But the fluff is really cool, and I, I know Che Webster over at Roleplay Rescues flinching right now when I say fluff. He doesn't like that word, and rightfully so when he explains why he doesn't. But the spells and the monsters and it sounds like all the other stuff is really cool in that game so i'm gonna have to track down a copy it just ignore the mechanics and and take the extra parts and co-op them into a different game so thank you so much for reviewing that thank you for all that you do and i hope your team does well this weekend take care jason there from nerds rpg variety cast which is a perfect segue into what we're going to talk about first uh, talking about some Arneson stuff that I didn't get to last week. Um, but what I will say to you, first of all, though, Jason, is you know, don't buy it <laughs> unless you find it very cheap. I, I did not mean to give the impression that it is a, you know, a lost treasure that anybody needs to rush out and buy. 
talking about Arneson and, and Richard Snyder's adventures in fantasy. It is kind of a fascinating mess. It is a interesting relic. Um, but it is not something, uh, you should by any stretch feel compelled to rush out and, and buy, especially I, I looked around to see what they're selling for now. And the only one I saw on eBay was a couple hundred bucks or something. And you just, just don't even just don't, unless you are a, a total completist or, uh, you know, just, a you know, an artifact hunter, um, you know, probably pretty much everything worth, you know, hearing about, you know, I, on it, I, I, I talked about, I'm not trying to be too hard on it. I mean, look, if somebody, if you can find one for 40 to six in the 40 to $60 range, you know, go for it. Be It's cool to have. Uh, but it is not something, it is not some lost, you know, Holy grail type product. Um, but anyway, uh, I appreciate you calling in and we are going to get into some more Arneson and stuff right now. So last week we did a lot of talk about Dave Arneson. Dave Arneson's birthday was on October 1st, co-creator, um, really originator of Dungeons and Dragons who has not gotten, uh, the recognition really that he deserves. So you've had lots of people blogging, lots of people talking about Arneson, Arneson game days. You've had, uh, the highly touted, world-renowned OSR anchorites doing Arneson podcasts, you know, all through um, the last week, and we'll be doing, continuing to do them all through the month of October. And uh, but you might not know much about Arneson yourself, and uh, so I did the the last week's hump day. I was recording it on last Tuesday, and there was a lot of other Arneson kind of related uh, material trickling out throughout the week. So to talk a little bit about some other stuff, some awesome stuff that came out. James Malashevsky of Grognardia fame actually did a two-part essay over at the Goodman Games blog that I've got up for you, Who in the World is Dave Arneson? And it's, it's really good, uh, kind of just kind of overview, well-written overview if you want some more information about Arneson. Um, Havard over at the Blackmore Mistara blog, Havard's Blackmore blog, um, continued they had already done a ton of stuff and they continued putting out some more stuff another link to another blackmore um adventure uh a quote um from the occasion the occasion of uh arneson uh game day from dave wesley originator of the brownstein game uh kind of the proto rpg uh that inspired um arneson you know taking um Taking war, having the war game piece along with, you know, going from the war game, controlling multiple, you know, uh, multiple characters to taking it from that and then having individual player characters as well. Um, so that's really cool. I mean, you're talking about legends here. Um, so, uh, it was cool to see something, something related to that from David Wesley. Um, and, uh, over at Flintlocks and Witchery, flintlocksandwitchery.blogspot.com, they've got a, a recounting of the uh, of one of the players. Uh, let's see, I should have had this open. One of the original Blackmore players, um, Greg Svensson. Greg Svensson's um, account of their first dungeon adventure playing uh, uh, an Arneson's Blackmore game. Um, Larry Hamilton over at Follow Me and Die put up a post in appreciation of, of Dave Arneson, another legendary anchorite from the Follow Me and Die podcast. 
Bruce Hurd, TSR alumni, living legend um, uh, of Mistara fame, uh, put up a post um, saying Happy Arneson Day, and I thought that was nice, you know, from one legend to another. And then uh, at the Forgotten Runes blog, forgottenrunes.blogspot.com, they put up a great post, Blackmore and Me, talking about their experiences playing Blackmore over the years. Lots of cool maps. I put up one, the original uh, Great Kingdom map there. Um, uh, so, you know, lots of cool gaming history and cool maps as well with that. So, you know, just a ton more Arneson stuff. I mean, an Arneson overload, and it's good to see all this. So go and check all those uh, those links out. If you want to learn more about the history of the game, give some love to Arneson's memory. Check it out. All right, and one more thing before we get into the maps. A cool series that's going on on several RPG blogs, the October Horror Movie Challenge. This is where you watch a horror movie every day over the month of October. And you've got, uh, let's see, Justin Ryan Isaac from the Punverse Halls of the Nephilim blog, punverse.blogspot.com is doing it, as well as Tim Brannon over at the other side, the other side.timsbrannon.com. Uh, Hero Press, I think that's, yeah, it's Tim Knight's blog. I love Hero Press. HeroPress2.blogspot.com is doing it, as well as the one and only Michael Curtis, legendary OSR designer of Stonehell fame, uh, as well as tons of stuff for DCC and, and a bunch of other stuff um, over the Shivers and Shudders blog, ShiversandShudders.com. They're all taking part of this. I put up what is this, their first post of the month, but they all seem to be keeping up with it. So you can go to this one and then whatever, follow the, uh, the term links at the bottom or, or just refresh the page, the main page. If you want to see the other stuff they've been reviewing, uh, Justin is doing something really cool, adding in like a little statistic, uh, stat block for a character from the movies as well. I thought that was cool, but, um, so yeah, I wish I could keep up with this. Uh, there's no way that I can, I just don't have the time to do one every day. Not that I'm, you know, you know, being busy, being industrious or anything. I just, I just don't have the time to do it, but I, I have been trying to watch some I've, I've seen some crap, but I can tell you all one cool horror thing that I watched and binged was the first series of the AMC TV show, the terror, which was just unbelievably great. It's all about these British, um, um, sailors trying to discover the Northwest Passage in the mid 1800s, and it mixes, and it's like survival horror, and it's got a slight supernatural kind of thing going on as well. And it's uh, it was unbelievably good. So that's probably the best kind of horror related thing that I've watched recently. I also watched um, what's it called? Uh, oh, Head Count is the name of it kind of a recent indie horror thing that was not great, but it was better than I thought it should have been. Uh, so that was okay. And I've got some other stuff on my uh, Netflix queue that hopefully be coming throughout the month. I've been trying to check out as much horror as I can. Actually, October is the one time of the year that I can actually get my wife to, you know, to watch something and go, so I got to, you know, use it wisely. I got to really take advantage of it. And I won't make her watch anything too straight up, you know. I mean, if it's comedy gore, it's one thing. But I won't put her, you know, I won't put her through anything too traumatic. 
You know what I mean? But uh, anyway, it's a, I've mentioned before my love for horror movies, and it was cool to see a lot of RPG bloggers, RPG creators taking part in this horror movie challenge. So if you enjoy horror movies as well, go and check these out. You'll get to see a lot of reviews, maybe see some uh, 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 posts about horror movies that you never heard of or old favorites, that kind of thing. So be sure and check it out. Sheesh, we're just getting to the maps. I told you all this was a huge show. But let's get into them. First, this was an awesome one. Augustinus. Augustinus. I guess is how you pronounce it. Um, I've mentioned before how the Cartographer's Guild, you can add its kind of feed to your blog rolls. So even though it's it's a forum, you'll get these cool posts. And I love getting these because there's so many talented people working over there. And um, anyway, Augustinus over there did this red planet alien world map that I just thought was unbelievable. So I had to put up a link of that for you to look at. It's uh, uh, just a total kind of sci-fi, strange, colorful, cool map that I thought was uh, definitely worth sharing. So check that out. Then over at the Rise Up Comus blog, riseupcomus.blogspot.com, they did like a recap of one of their, their um, home group sessions. Uh, Josh did, but the thing I liked is uh, it's got their you know campaign map that they drew for their session, and I love seeing actual session maps, actual gaming maps that that groups are using, and so I thought this was cool. Those the post is the Maidens in the Moon, a Frankenstein adventure, so it was a cool kind of world map, point crawl map that they made for their game. So uh, I liked seeing it, you know, uh, you know, right there on the graph paper for you. Really cool. Uh, I wish I could throw together a map like that, but <laughs> uh, anyway, then over at randroll.com, they come up again later. It's a blog on random tools and table. Duncan Thompson did an interview with Dave of Dave's Mapper, and this is a cool generator that um, I don't know if I can't remember recall if I ever shared before, but it's a map generator where a lot of artists contributed different geomorphs, so they all kind of fit together, and you can shift them around and everything. Really cool idea, really cool tool to play with. It's got, you know, uh, various different types of maps that you can play with and, and various different artists um, uh, contributed to it. So um, if you've never played with the, with Dave's Mapper before, it's really awesome. And I thought this was cool to see an interview with, uh, with Dave uh, talking about their, uh, you know, their RPG tools that they've got for you. Lots of cool retrospective posts and reviews that I spotted over this week, starting over at Underground Adventures, undergroundadv.blogspot.com. This is the Wizard Lizard, and they did a post, lesser-known OD&D games. So they're looking at some kind of lesser-known OSR games, like uh, Seven Voyages of Zilarthan. I should have practiced saying that before podcasting, maybe, right? <laughs> Seven Voyages of Xylarthan, Torch and Sword, Treasure Hunters, Mythical Journeys, and uh, m- many of these have links to download the games for free. So if you've never heard of these uh, kind of lesser-known OSR games, something to check out over at Underground Adventures. Uh, Bryce Lynch over at 10-Foot Pole did a review of the recent Lamentations of the Flame Princess adventure, No Rest for the Wicked. Uh, I've got this, I bought this one, uh, I had a friend pick this stuff up for me at Gen Con, some of their new releases, but I haven't read through it yet. 
kind of a mixed review as you might expect but if you're curious about this one you might want to check it out and see what they had to say about that one uh, no rest for the wicked then uh, this was cool over at rolling box cards they did a review of the the new newish delta green rpg you know originally uh, it was like a call of cthulhu source book type thing um, in the 90s and then sometime over the last three years or so it came out you know, it came out when Google Plus was still up a couple of years before it went down. So it's probably about three years ago. I'd have to look for an exact date. But um, they did a, a reboot of Delta Green and uh, kind of, you know, kind of a Call of Cthulhu spinoff type thing. So I thought this was a cool review if you're wondering about the mechanics of that. Curious about the new Delta, new-ish Delta, Delta Green RPG. You can check that out over at rollingboxcars.com. That was Daniel Stack posting about that. Forrest Aguirre, who blogs over at Forest for the Trees, forrestaguirre.blogspot.com, did a review of the uh, somewhat recent Mothership module, Mothership Dead Planet. Gave it a really strong review. So if you're curious about Mothership, uh, you can go over and check that out. Then at Blackgate, the Blackgate Adventures and Fantasy Literature blog, Blackgate.com, they did. Now this is a review that is not of an RPG, but is I, something I talked about recently. The the new Dark Crystal show on Netflix. Uh, so if you want to see a, a well written review about that, they they love it. They thought it was cool. I, I think it's really good too. So you can check that out at Blackgate.com if you're curious about that new Dark Crystal show. Uh, the Smoldering Wizard blog, smolderingwizard.com, Doug did a post that I enjoyed. Hopefully they'll do more of these. Forgotten Gems of the OSR, White Box Heroes. So this was uh, doing a review of White Box Heroes by Salvatore Macri, uh, one of the first supplements to be released for the Swords and Wizardry White Box back in 2009. And they give a positive review, some images, and kind of a little overview of what that was all about. So another look back. You know, another forgotten gem of the OSR that kind of came up on the Underground Adventures blog with lesser-known OSR games. So some more love to some kind of obscure OSR products you might have missed. Check that out at smolderingwizard.com. And then finally, at Stargazers World, stargazersworld.com, uh, they did a review of the new Cypher System rulebook. And I'm kind of glad I didn't buy Cypher System because... You know, I did buy the new Monero, but I got it used, and that got revised really quickly, within a couple of years of release, it seemed like. And uh, the same thing with this Cypher system uh, um, has been revised, and it's only been, you know, just a couple of years. But um, if you're curious about it, it's called a quick glance at the new Cypher system rulebook. If you already own it, it's kind of maybe telling you you don't necessarily need to grab the new one, and it gives you a little idea. But I'm glad that I waited, because I do like Cypher system. Uh, mechanics so um, now with the revised one out you know what honestly with the revised one out it means i can probably find the original cypher system rule book a lot cheaper now maybe so maybe it is a blessing in disguise for a new edition to come out so quick and now a word from our sponsors Alrighty, let's roll on some random tables see what the blogosphere is cooking up on the random table front I'm starting over at Ann Hunter's DIY and Dragons blog. Ann's been doing these Dungeon Alphabet Dozen posts. I've done a, rolled on a couple of these over the last few weeks. This one's A is for Adventures, so you're rolling up random rival adventuring parties you might encounter in a dungeon. 
So let's see what we get. Seven. A team of outcast mutant superheroes. Each has a garish spandex costume, a silly code name, and a single magic power they can use at will. Each time they're encountered, they're on a new mission to defeat a different villain. Depending on the reaction role, they might see the player characters as potential victims in need of protecting, potential allies in their fight, as an unnecessary distraction from their mission, or as their villain of the week. Let's do one more of these. Twelve. Another random rival adventuring party. An undead anti-cleric with the power to turn living humans leads a party of undead crusaders to recover unholy re relics for the glory of hell. Um, if a player, character, or retainer has recently died, they'll definitely be present. The crusaders will demand the destruction of any holy symbols or divine magic items the characters possess and will attempt to convert living characters and recruit recently dead ones to their anti-religion. Happily, they are also eager to trade to acquire any cursed items in the character's possession. So some cool ideas for random rival adventuring parties over at diyanddragons.blogspot.com. The Signs in the Wilderness blog, 1700s post-apocalyptic hopeful frontier fantasy setting for role-playing games. Love the random tables over here. This one's Magical Tool of Folklore. The idea here is that many cultures tell stories about someone who carries a magical tool. It could be a whistle that summons birds, a shoe that turns into a boat, a lasso that can catch stars. Stories like these are common in their northern land setting. So first we're going to roll and see what the tool is. So this is a really cool idea, creative idea. Our tool is a carving knife. Now, whatever this magic item is, it's fundamentally a tool with an ordinary purpose. In the story, it's used in some special way. So this carving knife is used, used in the usual way, but with an unexpected target or medium, such as things like a canoe that glides through the air, a ladder to climb to the night sky, a drum that can only be heard by the dead. Hmm, so what can I have this knife be unusual? This carving knife. It's hmm. carving knife. Maybe it can, I don't know, do something with air. Cut out stars from the sky or something like that. Something real mythical and fanciful. And the stories, it's always wielded by the same person. So it is wielded by... The star knife is wielded by a rising figure out on the frontier, specifically a warlord. So there's this feared warlord rising out on the frontier that is said to have this carving knife that they can literally carve out parts of the sky with it. And the stories tell what this object looks like. If it's a knife, it's not just a regular knife, etc., etc. So the appearance... Really creative ideas here on this blog. Uh, it has blood on it that won't wash off. And if you find this tool, you might not want it. Rare and famous things bring all kinds of problems. So let's see what kind of problem would come if you got a hold of this. Um, people expect its holder to fulfill the original role from folklore. So they would expect you to... If you have this knife, you are become that warlord or you're expected to roam the wastelands or whatever. So anyway, some really interesting, um, evocative and creative 
ideas on this magic tool of folklore post over at Signs in the Wilderness. So really good stuff there. Uh, and check out some more of the random tables over there. It's some really original, um, interesting ideas going on over at Signs in the Wilderness. And we're going to go check out what Cackle Charm's doing over at the Mance Gaming. Love Cackle Charm's random tables. I couldn't pass this one up either. The Dark Lord Generator. So we're going to generate ourselves a Dark Lord. Starting with their armor and color. They wear a green cloak concealing twisting hazel and bone. Their dark motif. Spiders and snakes. So spiders and snakes. Snake motif. A quirk of their appearance. The Dark Lord's appearance. Their quirk. They're obese. A method of movement for the Dark Lord. Uh, flying carpet, floating disc, or some other magical device. Device That fits with the obesity. So they, they ride this, uh, we'll say they ride a flying carpet. Their method of killing. Uh, they have an unholy life-stealing sword. Their right hand is... They have a huge direwolf, sword and mouth optional. So they a huge direwolf accompanies them as they float across the... The barons, their dark army is an army of clockwork machines or mass-produced golems, and their plot for power, an ancient magical magic ritual that requires mass sacrifice. So they're trying to pull off this ritual, which makes sense uh, if they if the, that they have the clockwork um, army because if they had an army of of living creatures, they'd probably sacrifice them for this magic ritual. And then finally, the one hope. The one hope to get rid of this Dark Lord is time. They're getting older and slower. One day all things die. So the obesity and everything, they're they're slowing down and um, picturing something real decadent and, and old. And basically they, they have to have that, uh, that flying carpet even just maybe to... to to walk or to move around at all. So that's pretty cool. Uh, neat ideas for a Dark Lord generator over at themancegaming.blogspot.com. And then finally, as far as generators, I'm not going to roll or anything on these. This is another thing from Rand Roll that came up. Rand Roll, that blog on random tools and tables I mentioned earlier. They put up a post, 5e Generator's Guide to Dungeons and Traps. So this is a collection, not just for 5e, but it's got traps and puzzle generators, Random table links for dungeon generators, dungeon encounters, uh, PDFs you might want to check out at the DMs Guild, a bunch of resources for um, dungeon and trap stuff, ostensibly for 5e, but you can use it for anywhere else. So another great collection of stuff from Duncan Thompson over at Rand Roll. As always, we like to feature killer free stuff that we spotted on RPG blogs. There's a lot of awesome free stuff this week, so we'll get right into it. Starting at Late Night Zen, latenightzen.blogspot.com, Spitting Images blog. They put up a one-page game, a free one-page game about tactically trained wizards empowered by the state to investigate incidents of corrupted ancient magic reactivating. So it's called Wizard Squad, free one-page game over at Late Night Zen. I'll put up a link of the new Unearthed Arcana from Wizards, a cleric, druid, and wizard uh, archetype um, PDF. 
And they must be gearing up for some new source book. Uh, there have been a lot of uh, new um, archetypes recently, so um, maybe another kind of player's handbook sort of thing is in development. Um, but uh, you've got the Twilight Domain for clerics here, the Circle of Wildfire for druids, and Onomancy for, uh, for wizards. So check that out if you're into 5e. And this is cool. Spencer, a.k.a. Free Thrall, legendary anchorite who does the Keep Off the Borderlands podcast, um, has been talking, you know, for Arneson Month. They put up a, uh, you know, related to that, they've got a 2d6 system that they're, they're developing called Osseus. And they're also podcasting and talking about it. So if you haven't checked out Keep Off the Borderlands, I really enjoy it. Spencer's fun to listen to. So I've got a link to Spencer's Keep Off the Borderlands podcast as well as the free Osseus 2D6 PDF. Check that out. Then uh, Talisman over at uh, the 9 and 30 Kingdoms has another pamphlet PDF up, another one of many. Cryptic Catacombs, an undead-themed dungeon expansion. So download that for free over at the 9 and 30 Kingdoms. Loved seeing this, the long-running Greyhawk fanzine, the Oith Journal. Number 30 is out. So these are really picking up steam lately after kind of sporadic releases over the years. The last few have come out really quickly. And so you've got um, Oith Journal number 30 to download for free. Don't miss that. Killer. Especially if you're a Greyhawk fan. And DM David put up a post... Uh, why you should play in the D&D Adventurers League. Talking a little bit about 5e Adventurers League. The reason I put this under the free section is they've got a free quick start PDF with the Adventurers League Season 9 rules and and tips and uh, whatever, um, you know, kind of ins and outs, cheat sheet type deal. So check that out if you're into 5e, if you like Adventurers League. I think I uh, mentioned it a couple episodes ago. I think they really improved the... Um, uh, campaign rules uh, for season um, season 9. I think it's a dramatic improvement over uh, last season. Some of the tweaks and changes they made. And then finally on the free stuff, going over to Ray Otis's blog, Viridian Scroll. ViridianScroll.blogspot.com Now I had mentioned a few weeks ago uh, over uh, Charles Aikens over at the Dragons Never Forget blog, they um, they were doing this Gygax 75 challenge, and the idea with this was to emulate um, Gygax's writing in this old zine, uh, Europa zine, where, um, where Gygax laid out a method of developing your campaign and setting up your campaign world and stuff like that. Well, Ray uh, did something really cool and creative with it. They took the steps that Gygax wrote about um, from this, you know, uh, Europa wargaming newsletter and they made a uh, pocket mod zine out of it so you can print this off you know it's free to download print it off and then you can fold up a pocket mod that's got this Gygax uh, you know steps to developing a campaign world uh, so I thought that was really cool uh, definitely gonna be printing this out and folding it up and having a copy of it so anyway lots of cool free stuff this week check it out if you download it you like it you know consider uh letting these folks know that you dug it a few miscellaneous things i thought i'd point out now you might wonder about just you know i love people listening to the show and i love when people say it helps them keep up with the blogs you might be looking for ways to just keep up with general rpg news 
And uh, one site that's doing a really good job of it is Geek Native. And Geek Native does, I believe it's on Fridays, they do a series called Routinely Itemized. And they're up to number 16 as of this recording. I put up a link where it's just a post tag, Routinely Itemized. And these are great to read through if you are interested in new releases, new Kickstarters. They go through um, uh, links, news around the web, and, and, and all kinds of stuff. So th this is a really really great series if you if you're into all kinds of different rpgs and want a way to keep up with news new releases and everything else like that i highly recommend just bookmarking this tagged link that i put up and then check it every week and you can keep up with rpg news it's pretty comprehensive certainly pretty much everything uh, uh that's going on at least mainstream wise so check that out if you want to keep up with rpg news i thought that was worth sharing and Claytonian N over at uh, the Kill It With Fire blog, killitwithfirerpg.blogspot.com, put up a post. Japan has some messed up and great gaming book covers, part one. So I'm excited this is just part one. I'm looking forward to more of these because uh, Claytonian's got a collection of Japanese RPG covers that are awesome and unusual. You'll just have to go over and look at this. Call of Cthulhu is uh, apparently even more popular than D&D &D over there. So if some are kind of Call of Cthulhu related, I put up an image of one of those. But these are all really interesting and neat. And uh, so this will be a cool series to follow along with. So why don't you go over to killitwithfirerpg.blogspot.com and check out some of those Japanese RPG book covers. Really cool and unusual. Uh, I like them a lot. Kind of a bittersweet post, but very interesting from a historical perspective over at the Xenopus Archives, uh, where they really um, do a lot to um, celebrate and keep the Holmes basic set um, alive. They put up a post, Holmes Friendly Local Game Shop is closing. So the long-running um, Arrow Hobbies Game Shop in Santa Monica is closing down, and this is where the Caltech group that developed Warlock, folks from Malarums and Excursions, people that developed the Manual of Aurania and a bunch of early, early D&D stuff, as well as, as Holmes himself, all gamed at this shop, legendary game shop. It's got some um, anecdotes and a um, bunch of links and stories about the place. Sounds like a, an amazing place. How sad that it's, it's closing, but... Um, um, apparently closing at the end of October. So uh, that's kind of a bittersweet historical post, like I said, where Eric Holmes um, uh, gamed. And it says that Holmes' character, one of the characters, Holmes had a character named Eric the Cleric. He also ran demo games for kids and, and stuff like that. So pretty cool. Um, Anyway, check that out if you're interested in that slice of gaming history over at xenopusarchives.blogspot.com. Then finally, on the miscellaneous stuff, I thought this was awesome. Over the Awesome Lies blog that usually focuses a lot on Warhammer, they put up a, they've started a series, I've got the first two up, it's called Cthulhu Within. And this is like the mashup that, oh God, I'd love to play in this game. This is a mashup that... A legendary mashup, mashup Call of Cthulhu with, with Warhammer's Enemy Within campaign. And so they're walking you through it, how they would do it, the Cthulhu Within campaign. Now just tell me if that is not the coolest thing you've ever heard of in your life. <laughs> so 
Check that out over at Awesome Lies blog. If you're familiar with Call of Cthulhu and uh, Enemy Within, uh, especially, that would be a, uh, it's a really good reading. Really interesting. See ya. All right, so for the final topic today, wow. Now, if you told me I was going to be talking about Wendy's hamburgers on uh, the Hump Day Bloggerama, if you told me that a few weeks ago, I would be very, very surprised, doubtful, uh, if this would ever happen, but th this tale that I'm, this, this yarn I'm going to spin y'all is, uh, how would I describe it? Lurid for one, it's a lurid tale. Uh, it's also, and I mean this as cynically as possible, it is a, it is a quintessentially American tale, I would say. Um, not that they don't have fast food hamburgers, all over the world, but this this feels just uniquely American, like a, a uniquely American story. And it also, it touches on so many uh, kind of flashpoint um, kind of subjects that con kind of constantly come up uh, with RPGs, including, you know, corporate... Um, you know, the corporate corporate influence on hobbies it's got a little bit of uh of uh, uh shameless self promotion and uh, mixed in it's got classic you know social media and and outrage and uh, it's got a little bit of everything and it get just gets weirder and weirder uh so you know, let's start. Let me. I'll try to tell the tale as I perceived it from the beginning. Um, you know, sometime over the last week, Wendy's, the hamburger chain, put up a website, Feast of Legends, and released their own game slash adventure, uh, kind of in D and D guise. I haven't read through it, but it's you know, as opposed to being like a one page you know character. Uh, class like um, uh, Old Spice did recently. They put out, it's like a hundred page PDF, you know, kind of professionally done, kind of mock wizard style sort of deal. Feast of Legends, right? And so, you know, I've got several posts up. The Feast of Legends post, a post from Food and Wine, Dungeoneering.blogspot.com uh, posting about it. Uh, the Trollish Delver blog, the Disoriented Ranger blog, Weird Wonderful Worlds blog, all taking kind of different takes on this. Some 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 amused by it, some you know hating the corporate nature, or at the very least hating the the corny jokes. Cause the jokes are all you know like you know whatever meat meat puns and <laughs> French fry puns or whatever. So, you know, marketing off the, obviously off the popularity of D&D &D and everything. And I'll come back to some of this, but I'll just lay out the story for you. So that kind of gets generated and whipped into a frenzy on social media. Some people amused by it, but many others, you know, immediately, you know, denouncing it based on Wendy's um, owner, uh, I got not founder. I guess that person's deceased, but I forget what that guy's name was. It was always in the commercials. 
Uh, Dave, right? <laughs> Can't believe I remembered that. But, um, anyway, the the CEO or whatever, you know, their political donations and their labor practices and everything, people are immediately, you know, denouncing Wendy's. And so, you know, you know on top of uh, already kind of being people being upset at the kind of commercial co-opting of of uh, of the hobby from large corporations you also have you know people talking about uh, Wendy's uh, political and social or whatever um, stances on things meanwhile streaming darlings probably you know certainly the most famous d and d players at this point the critical role people uh, accept a sponsorship to run Feast of Legends from Wendy's. And I had some images up of them running it, you know, in full, like, Wendy's cosplay. And so, you know, you have, uh, you know, they have, you know, hundreds and hundreds of thousands of people that follow them and everything. And, you know, they recently, you know, had a, one of the biggest Kickstarters of all time. And, and so you saw people... A lot of people thinking it was amusing for a second, but then with all the Wendy's, you know, labor practice and all this stuff, immediately, you know, immediate backlash on Critical Role. And so then they, you know, put out apologies and donate all the, you know, the dirty burger money. <laughs> I tell you, this, you see what I mean now? This is such an American story, you know what I mean? Uh, they they immediately, you know, donate all the the burger money, the burger money that they got to, uh, you know, to a, a, the cause that the, uh, the, the Wendy's uh, people, you know, the labor cause that the Wendy's people weren't supporting. So, so that's the buzz. And then to top it all off, and this is where it just kind of goes full circle into bizarro world. A number of people were complaining or asking about who were the creators of the Wendy's RPG, you know, who were, who were the people that wrote it? And some of the posts and stuff seem to be people genuinely curious because it's obviously people that have some concept of RPGs. So, you know, uh, but then some of the posts, I can't help but say, seemed like they wanted to out these people and kind of go after them, you know, based on Wendy's, um, you know, whatever the Wendy's founders, uh, not founder, but Wendy's CEO's belief or whatever. It just seemed like people were a little intense about wanting to know who wrote it. You know what I'm saying? And, uh, and, and then it turned into a whole thing about, you know, it was wrong of Wendy's not to put their names in it. You know, it's not giving the creators credit. Whereas for me, you know, it's some advertising company, you know, that put this together and you don't normally see people, you know, advertising agency employees credited in their own ads. You know, you don't see John Dawson, you know, John Dawson on a billboard, you know what I'm saying? You know, the, it's not that outrageous that people weren't credited. It's not like, uh, to me, it wasn't at least. But a lot of people were talking about how they weren't credited. And so someone did a spoof. This is where it just gets keeps getting weirder. 
someone went to itch.io and you know i've talked about these spoof jam you know there's or these game jams where people come up with an idea and do a uh, and do a bunch of games and stuff based on it so someone went and did the wendy's jam and again this is kind of a spoof sarcastic you know made to look like it's official wendy's but it says it operates on three main rules including one you must not i repeat not credit yourself in your games any game designers which credit themselves will be disqualified so it's kind of a play on um you know the whole talk about you know the wendy's the advertising company executives whatever not crediting themselves by name on the pdf and then it says to post the game on twitter with a hashtag please sponsor me so taking you know a swipe at at critical role or whatever so then i saw people tweeting about the game jam not realizing it's a you know a piss take right and uh tweeting about that saying look how evil you know wendy's is they're not crediting you know, they're they're actually making rules on this thing to not credit them and it was getting retweeted thousands of times you know before people would realize that it was not you know it was not real but i mean it shows how you know just ready people were to well i mean it was believable and, and, and just how ready people were to continue this whole what I'm calling the Hamburger Chronicles. <laughs> that's, the, that's the title for this. So, I mean, there's a lot to unwind and unpack from this story. So many elements. And, uh, I mean, you start with the kind of, when people have their hobbies or when, when culture, cultural things get co-opted by, by, uh, corporations and you know i remember when i back in the day a huge skateboarder and i remember when we would get you know ran out of every place skateboarding and there there were some skateboard companies had stickers like skateboarding is not a crime and it was you really look like a juvenile delinquent for skateboarding now it's you know there's a skateboarding leopard on the cheetos bag and they're about to put it in the olympics and everything it's completely different but it, you know there was a time when it eventually got okay for corporations to market off it the same thing kind of happened with rap music i remember when rap was really young or whatever it was definitely not a mainstream sort of thing there'd be the occasional you know one hit wonder sort of thing but uh and even when run dmc was getting more popular was still kind of looked at as um i don't know dangerous in the word there was still it wasn't quite you know absorbed into every household you know what i'm saying and then you know sometime late 80s or early 90s it's uh you know every every commercial have a little rap song with it and maybe a little dog you know scratching a turntable or whatever you know these are just kind of just little examples but you know uh with the pot with popularity of subcultures and fandoms and these kind of things you're going to get stuff like this and uh so i think they tried to do something you know creative and different i mean like i say it's 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 going to a hundred page pdf now, I'm sure the thing is, you know, is trash. I mean, creative trash, but, but trash nonetheless. Not like 
I don't doubt I'll ever even read the thing, but you know, it's, it's a, it's a bunch of hamburger puns and stuff like that. It made it look like D and D, but definitely got people talking. So from an advertising standpoint, it certainly worked. Uh, but then you kind of get into, you know, there are a lot of people talking about, you know, people wanting to buy a hard copy of this and everything. And that prompted, you know, there were a lot of people on Twitter that were, you know, saying, you know, don't support this, you know, um, don't, you know, by playing this or reading it, you're doing free advertising for this corporation, you know, support indie game designers instead. And, and, um, and I even saw someone, cause I've talked about, you know, free and pay what you want. We had that discussion some weeks back about people having a problem with free products, you know, full disclosure. I love free products. Uh, but someone made a comment, you know, that it was, you know, it was a problem, you know, it's problematic that, the Wendy's RPG was, you know, for, you know, it's free, you know, that in and of itself was a problem or something to that effect. So you got these other arguments about, you know, or just people talking about uh, money and RPGs and, um, and this kind of thing. And then again, with the corporate stuff, you know, I get people don't like Wendy's for their, their stances and everything, but I'm thinking, you know, D and D's put out by Hasbro, you know, people love D and D, but I mean, where does Hasbro have all their toys made? You know, I don't mean, maybe they, maybe they pay great wages on all their stuff or whatever. I mean, on, but I, you know, I'm, I'm thinking it's Hasbro because here's the thing, you know, when it gets into critical role, taking all this money, you know, if a lot of other people are in that position, it's easy to say when you're not making any money that you're not going to, you would never accept that money. It's another thing when all of a sudden you have, you know, rocket, rocket to, you know, stardom playing D and D writ, you know, making money beyond your wildest dreams. And then a huge company offers you money to, 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 to run a, you know, a game. Um, you know, I mean, I'm sure some people out there would turn it down. I'm sure a lot of people wouldn't turn it down. You know what I mean? But it's, it's, it's kind of, you know, it's always easier to take a, shot at people when they're, you know, it's kind of like, uh, you know, take a shot at people when they're on top or whatever. I'm not saying that's what happened for a lot of people. I think it sounds like, uh, Wendy's really does as far as the labor stuff really, uh, you know, is like the, one of the only companies that's not supporting this one labor initiative and everything. And, uh, and so, but what I'm going to with this, not only that, you know, with, with Wendy's, but with critical role, you know, for accepting this and maybe whatever, not looking into the um, beliefs and the donations or whatever that the corporate sponsor had done before for, for doing this or whatever. Um, it brings up all these questions about, you know, when you find out that the creator is problematic or has done things you disagree with or awful things or whatever, you know, but you were a fan of their work, you know, what do you do then? Cause I think, um, like for example, I love HP Lovecraft's writing and stuff. I know they were a racist, you know, not a good person, but I still like HP Lovecraft's <laughs> stories. You know what I'm saying? And, but what's the line there? I mean, you know, it's like buying Hitler's paintings, you know, uh, you know, you, you get where I'm going with this. Like one recent thing is, you know, Morrissey's turned out to be, 
you know, have these, uh, I don't understand, I don't know uh, um, English politics enough to, to know everything in specific, but, you know, to, to um, support some kind of, you know, right-wing political parties and things like this. And I mean, I grew up listening to Smith since I was, you know, in fifth grade and uh, love the Smiths. I, you know, listened to them my whole life, you know, they're huge influence on me. But now it's, is it like I'm supposed to, you know, hate the Smiths now? You know what I'm saying? It's because it's hard for me because I can definitely uh, not agree with someone's politics, but it's even like there's actually a Smith song, Rubber Ring, that says, you know, don't forget the songs that made you uh, smile or the songs that made you cry. You're older now and you're a clever swine, but they were the only ones that ever stood by you. And uh, <laughs> there were some times when those were songs that stood by me and everything, you know, and it's kind of like, what, you know, what do you do with that now when you have, um, you have something you love and you find out that the person that made it, it's, is, uh, you know, someone you can't, you can't agree with on, on things or, or vehemently disagree with, you know, so that was another, you know, layer of this thing coming out. Then you had this whole kind of, uh, quick, lightning fast kind of reaction that social media can have to things too is another thing coming out of this where it's just, you know, something can get retweeted just thousands of thousands of times without it ever being, you know, in any way kind of verified or clarified what it is like this spoof, this Wendy's jam thing, just immediately like wildfire going out that Wendy's is trying to screw over creators and, and this and not let them say what their name is when it's really somebody, um, you know, spoofing it. Uh, and then, you know, I, I could go on, you know, you see where I'm going with this. It's just, um, uh, but anyway, I put up links on top of these to, to, uh, talking about critical role doing this, like the announcement, then one over at dread gazebo, uh, called in defense of getting paid, talking about, uh, the whole burger thing. And, and, uh, not blaming people as bad as Wendy's is not blaming somebody for, for getting paid on it. You'd have to read it. I'm just kind of lightly paraphrasing or whatever. And then I put up a link to the Wendy's jam where you can go and, um, kind of download these spinoff games of a, of a fake, you know, marketing game, you know, not spinoff games, but inspired by it. Uh, things like, uh, what are some of the names of the submissions so far? The Wendy's Jam. Eat Fresh, a commentary. The Order of the Golden Garden Salad. Where's the Beef? Uh, fresh or Frozen? And this kind of thing. So, anyway, it's like I say, it's just a lurid, quintessentially American tale. You know, company makes burgers, company co ops, uh, fandom, fandom. Uh, is horrified fandom uh, heroes accept money from <laughs> company Fan fandom heroes issue apology uh, people spoof the 
original game, people were outraged and whatever. I don't know where I was going with that. That wasn't a great way of wrapping it up, was it? Anyway, I've been talking for 20 minutes on this, but I mean, I don't know what else to say about it. Probably didn't do a great job. I've been thinking about how to try to approach it, but it's such a long and tangled mess of a tale that all I can say is that, um, you know, it's just, uh, it's just strange, isn't it? I guess that's the main thing. It's just a strange thing. Uh, so I'd like to know what you think about it. Um, let's do the outro. All right. Well, that's one heck of a show. I got to (laughs) say probably bit off more than I could chew. Um, but no pun intended with the windy stuff, but it's just such, such a strange story that I'd love to hear what you think about it, um, on any of the different myriad aspects of it. Or if you have any comments about any of the other stuff we talked about today, horror movie challenge, Arneson, <coughs> any of the games we, uh, looked at reviews for free stuff, whatever, miscellaneous stuff. Love to hear from you. You can message me on the Anchor app or send me an email, frothsoftfrothsof at gmail.com. Don't forget, all these posts are over at the Thought Eater blog. <sighs> Huge shout out to the folks backing me on Patreon. Thank you so much. This, you know, it's great to have your support, especially when I get done with shows like this. And I'm, I've been working on this off and on for, you know, like four hours or more. Um, so if you like what I'm doing, um, and want to support the program or any of this other stuff I'm doing, it's only a dollar a month. So you can go over to patreon.com forward slash thought eater and, uh, basically be sponsoring the program, sponsoring the blog, sponsoring whatever else I can manage to put out for you. Anyway, I'm exhausted, weird, you know, weird stuff going on, but I sure do appreciate folks listening. Like I say, I'd love to hear some feedback, hear what you think about anything we talked about. But I got no more for you. Uh, next you'll hear from me, it'll be Friday. Still don't know what I'm doing yet, but I'm just crawling over the finish line. So, Logan, let's go. Sickly platypus, a psychic grenade. Zeroing in on your mental trade. Gonna help you escape from the grind. Thought eater gonna blow your mind.